what's going on fellas real quick wanted to make an important announcement before we get going into the regular podcast Elliot and I have switched again I know you guys this is the last time I promise though we've switched again where we host the live stream it's off of our YouTube channels it's off of Facebook now we've made its own dedicated YouTube channel duck gun podcast on YouTube so make sure to head over there check that out hit that sub button and join us over there on the live streams weekly all right and now back to the regular show this episode of the duck gun podcast proudly brought to you by gunner kennels gunner kennels the market's only double walled roto molded dog crate and a five-star crash test rated kennel these american-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty and the guys over at gunner kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are like dropping four thousand pounds on it hammering it with a 630 pound sled tossing it off a 200 foot cliff and shooting it with a 12 gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration you're hitting the road with your dog this season gunner kennels is your safest bet protect your best friend and protect your investment hey guys i'm jordan fromer i believe in hunting hard hunting smart and having a fun time while doing it and shooting limits well that's just the icing on the cake I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's weekly hunt update, we talk about pheasant hunting, we talk about the closing of Indiana season and Kansas river hunting and goose pond hunting. Now for a quick word from our partners and we'll get right into it. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com. And did I mention, if you're not in the area, they also do shipping, so that's great. Be sure to check them out, guys. We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable, and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. What's going on folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me, Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we're here to do the weekly hunt update. 
This week, I've got some pheasant hunts to talk about, a pheasant hunt that we went to in Indiana, um, and also the closing of the Indiana duck split. And Elliot, beforehand, we talked about this a little bit, but you got a couple hunts to share. So um, let's go ahead and jump right into it and uh, discuss our hunts. You say you got two to talk about? Yeah, I've got two. Um, I guess let's, we'll jump to my first one and then, um, do your two and then my one and we'll do it that order today. Uh, so mine actually wasn't a waterfowl hunt, uh, that we're going to talk about first. Although I will say, so we had our last split come in, um, a little kind of, um, background to all this, but the last week historic historically is the best week in Indiana for waterfowl. And we have our split in Northern in the Northern zone, at least. Um, and we have a decent split there and then it comes back in for one week. Usually it's cold. It's locked up. We've got snow, all that kind of stuff. Um, but this year we literally, uh, have a record for the lowest accumulation of <laughs> snowfall. It's like almost zero. Although we did, we did have some, so I have to double check to make sure that that record still stands, but we had almost no snowfall in December, um, which we get a lot of snow in my area. Um, even from Lake effect, we're close enough to Lake Mm -hmm. Michigan that Lake effect will hit us. But, uh, so anyways, that kind of shows you how mild this winter has been. Um, but yeah, so regardless, I had all those days off and I was going to hunt. Um, (laughs) there's no birds and I'm still trying. Um, but I ended up going and just going and going and getting skunked and skunked. And I mean, it's embarrassing to say, but I wasn't going to not hunt. So, you know, that's kind of how that went. Um, but yeah, so on Friday, uh, we had one of our buddies had put together a upland game hunt, um, put and take Indiana doesn't have wild, like. Uh, you know, Kansas, Nebraska, the Dakotas, any place like that. It doesn't have wild. Um, we do have some, but it's just, I don't know where they're at. I've, I've seen them, you know, uh, a few times, but anyways, so if you want to go in Indiana, you pretty much have to do put and take. So you have Um, no pheasant, no quail, no woodcock, no grouse. So we do have quail in Southern Indiana. We do have we used to have pheasant. Um, but they all died out. We had, um, a really bad winter one year, um, before I was born and all the pheasant died off. Um, and we just don't have enough habitat habitat for them to come back. I know they've had projects They had a project in Pennsylvania to bring back wild pheasant that worked out pretty well. Um, and pheasant, there's now some wild pheasant in Pennsylvania. Um, man, I think they just had the first taunts here, um, last couple of years, but you know, there is some in Indiana. I'm not going to say there's none, but it's just really, really, um, not a huntable population. I mean, really. there's hunt, there's hunting season that kind of stuff, yeah. but it's just like, if you go, you're probably going to kill off. If you, if you were to be a, a soul hunting for pheasant, you know, that kind of deal, you're going to be, you know, just killing off the population. It's not like, mm-hmm. um, something that's sustainable. And, uh, and I know we're getting a little off topic here, but just to kind of close it off, you know, another thing. So one of those states that are trying to do that is really hard for them to do as well, because, um, even some of the big states like South Dakota, North Dakota have had, um, some really poor seasons for pheasant as well as, as, as far as like harsh winters go and stuff like that and okay. having ice storms that killed off populations. And so Pennsylvania was getting their wild pheasants from South Dakota and then South Dakota, 
um, won't sell any more because of that right now. They don't have um, they don't have the birds to sustain, you know, the cage and send to other states to try to build their population up. So, um, you know, kind of that being said, yeah, there's not a, a great outlook on pheasant, honestly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we, we've had a resurgence here. Um, they were really down in the last three years because normally Kansas has had a great pheasant and in quail population and even huntable prairie chickens, which is a form of a grouse and uh, really lost a bunch of the population about five years ago, maybe even more. But they've been making a nice um, surge back in the last three, four years. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to hunt f some wild pheasants sometime. So kind of getting to my hunt, um, we took Chief, and Chief was our only dog. And <laughs> I was honestly, I was a little nervous. I'm like, well, Chief's never done this. Um, and he's by no means, you know, um, the best waterfowl dog you've ever seen. Um, you know, he's still, he's self-trained, and he's still got, we're working on some issues and stuff like that. I mean, he gets out, gets the bird for us, and brings it back. Um, so he does kind of the basics, but you know, beyond that, I'm still got a, a lot of training I'm working on with him. So going out this, we got a bunch of guys, we all paid, um, you know, a lot of money for <laughs> to go on a pheasant put and take. Um, and we're being, bringing chief as our, you know, sole hope in finding these birds. So <laughs> that was a little, so what, how does the releasing go? Or maybe I'm jumping ahead, but how does the actual releasing go? When do they release them? Uh, you so they release them the morning of, so you go out there and they go around and they have them, um, and they, they drive around and just place them out in the field, and then they go and find cover pretty much. Mm -hmm. So they'll just go around. You'll have, like, fields you can hunt. Um, and we had three fields that we had we could hunt, uh, and they dropped them out in there around about. And then um, you go out into those fields and, and try to find those birds. So it's I wonder a, how I mean, many they put out there. Or do you not have the number? Yeah, you, you know, because you pay for them. So you pay for oh, okay. of birds. So there's okay. five of us, and we paid for 20 birds. Uh -huh. yeah and yeah so it's uh i mean it's a far cry from hunting but it's you know a fun it's more of a sport than hunting i would say at that yeah. point um yeah. but it, i it's mean it was fun still, and hunt. yeah yeah it was fun it was for sure fun especially never having pheasant um hunted and uh my my grandpa being a big influence on me you know this is his pheasant up here on the wall that uh he's got mounted i got his mount um and yeah, so just, you know, being able to kind of see part of what he's, you know, he was dar darhide, uh, dar, wow, I can't speak, diehard, mm -hmm. mixing the words together, dar, diehard pheasant hunter. Uh, so where did he go to do that? Your grandpa? He, uh, he, he would travel everywhere. Okay. Um, he did a lot of upland in the state as well, as far as quell, um, and that kind of stuff, but he would travel, take big trips out, um, to the, dakotas and iowa and everywhere just to go and get on some pheasant um but yeah so back to the hunt we took chief with us and i was a little nervous and we got out there you know we're walking through the first um set of brush and looking around and chief's you know coming with us and he's just excited to be out there you know trotting around bouncing around and just you know happy to be out there and you know he wasn't real uh, I wouldn't say he's in real like search mode yet because he didn't know what we're doing. I mean, he's walked plenty of times with a, a bunch of guys carrying guns, wearing camo. And he, so he's just, he's probably thinking we're on our way to the duck hole. It's going to be a fun morning. So we're just walking out there and um, we're walking through the brush and, you know, kind of the, the way you do it, you know, 
all in a line pushing through it and chief's there with us just walking along and um he spots the first one and i see it too and i see him looking at it and i'm like get it chief <laughs> and he you know flushes it up and that bird goes up in the air and um you know we shoot it and it drops and he's chasing it and grabs it and brings it back and then there was a whole change in his com- a complete change in his demeanor and yeah. he's like oh this is what we're doing i'm down <laughs> for this and, nice. and uh you know he starts you know getting real birdie and sniffing around and going around and um you know so we just went the whole morning and man he was all over these birds you know just getting right on them and he had some really really great finds and and uh I mean, it's just so cool. I don't know if you've ever done it. Um, Elliot, have you ever pheasant hunted? Yeah, I grew up doing a lot of pheasant hunting. My uncle ran Brittany's pheasant okay. quail hunt. Mm-hmm. So you know like what a dog looks like when they get birdie. Oh, yeah. And so I, I don't know. Like, I guess I've seen it a little bit with duck hunting when he tracks like a cripple or something like that. But it was it was completely different just watching him on a pheasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd get so birdie and his nose was glued to the ground and he's going, you know, sniffing through it. And and by the end, I could tell exactly. I'm like, oh, he's on one. He's on one for sure. Um, and then he'd be stiffing it. And it was like it was like Chief had been trained for this for years. It was just a complete natural. Just getting on these birds, following them, and then, I mean, literally the point he'd get right on them, and I'd, and I'd tell him to flush it, and he'd flush them for us. It was just like, yeah, um, you know, like, where'd this come from, Chief? Like, how, how are you Not such cool. a natural at it? So, um, it'll be really cool, I'm, you know, putting the, the video to, together for that already, and it'll be cool to see uh, the outcome of that. I mean, it was just a lot of fun watching him do that. Uh, <laughs> let's just say, so if there was pheasant you, in my area, to, I would have I would have been trying to do it more but are you going to explain to your viewers that it was a canned hunt no i mean the title will probably say wild pheasant south dakota or something like that <laughs> <laughs> south dakota well, wild pheasant limits no i'm just kidding yeah it'll it'll be that before uh, some people have been known to kind of deceive people like that yeah yeah we can't really deceive them on this because there's uh, <laughs> the one thing about it is you can shoot hens because they can't um sex them when they're uh, I don't know what you call a pheasant. It's not a chick, but when they're uh, when they're youngsters, you can't separate them from uh, roosters and hens. Uh, mm-hmm. So whoever buys them gets all of them, and then they grow up, and that's what they got, and they put them out yeah. there. And yeah. your dog doesn't know any different, and he's flushing up any of them. And but yeah, it was just uh, we, you know, paid for twenty. And we shot nine, so it wasn't perfect, yeah. but yeah. Uh, it was really warm, and they would run. I don't know if that's a caged bird thing. No, no, or, that's not. That's that's a pheasant thing. You want okay. cold. Cold, they stick real tight, and warm, they run. Yeah, and that's what I've heard as well, but I don't know a pheasant from the, the, um, the pins, because they don't fly when they're in pins, right? If they're just not used to using their wings at all. <laughs> well, typically speaking, um, cage-raised birds are not near as strong as flyers as your mm-hmm. wild ones are and you can tell the difference were these birds flushing pretty hard yeah yeah they were um the ones that we could get to stick and chief would get on so the problem was um that they would just run and so like we're walking slowly in this line and then chief would be on this trail and he'd keep going and he'd keep going and, and then i have to call him back because he'd get away from us we're trying yeah. to flush these birds up in range but the mm-hmm. problem was they just keep running and running and running until they're gone yeah. off the property and you can't follow yeah. them you know uh, so we realized that was happening partway through that they're just running so hard. You know, once I figured out when Chief's really on a bird, I could tell, you know, that they're running cause he's like chasing down this thing and he's on a hot trail. 
Yeah. Uh, so it got to the point we, everybody else left. It was just me and Hunter, um, you know, trying to track down the last of the birds that, that were out there. Um, and I knew these birds were running. So I'm like, let's just stay with them. Let's see what happens if we stay with them. Um, like, even if we got to run, let's just, you know, if Chief's on a bird, I'm going to let him be on it and we'll go with him. I mean, normally you want him just to stick with you. And he did that good. He, he stuck with us and then we'd get up on, on one that was tucked in the brush and he'd flush it out and we'd shoot it. But we had um, times where they'd run, run and run and run, and then I had to call them back. So we decided to run with them. And so he's on a hot trail, so we decided to run with him. We, and we're going right along, and I'm literally running. And Chief's yeah. running, and Chief has to get to a full-out sprint. Uh-huh. Like, and he is literally, like, trucking as fast as he can, um, <laughs> just booking it and tearing after this. And finally, it was like... He got about 70 yards in front of us, and we're at a full sprint. We couldn't keep up with him, and he flushes it up. And that's how hard these birds were running. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. about 50 degrees, so it was not perfect conditions for pheasants. <laughs> so were you guys hunting crop fields or ditches, or what was the terrain like? Um, yeah, so they had, hedgerows. they had hedgerows. They had some really thick like CRP-type stuff, mm-hmm. and then they had cornfields. Because no, normally a good way to do it, especially if they're running, we typically always did it this way. If we hunted big CRP fields or corn fields, you have walkers and blockers. Mm-hmm. So you put guys at the end. You have to trust everyone because by the time you're shooting, you're facing your buddies, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then they, you just the walkers walk to the end and walk it to the blockers. So even if they're running, a lot of times they'll get to the blockers and and flush, and you can get them that way. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how we normally normally did it was to split up like I say you got to trust each other because sometimes you're you know 40 50 yards apart and the birds aren't or had run but now they're flushing and you just said i saw a guy out quail and almost get shot in the head um, and we <laughs> didn't know him that well we my dad had just jo- and i joined up with this group for like this one field and we we, we split <laughs> <laughs> but that was because quail because quail will fly you know, they'll, a covey will flush and they fly in all one, all directions. It's like an explosion, you know, mm-hmm. so you got barrels. It's ex- extremely dangerous. If yeah, my, you always have to be real careful you're hunting with when you do that, that type of hunting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that pretty much sums it up on the pheasant. Had a great time though. I'm definitely going to be trying to do that a little bit more. We got some put and take opportunities and then they have, uh, you know, on some of the, uh, Indiana FWAs they do it um, seasonally and then at the end they have cleanup day where you can go for free and just walk um, any any birds that got missed so yeah that sounds fun yeah I'll definitely be trying to do that more just because I mean it was it was probably more fun for me than anyone else because man just watching chief work yeah. and seeing how much fun he had we had one there the, I'll tell you about one um, bird in particular that we had that was pretty cool so it had a, a big woods that separated uh, some of the fields that we hunted in. So we'd walk, you know, this path through there. And he got hot right on the path and turned in the woods. And, man, he's just, like, ripping corners. And <laughs> I've never seen him turn so fast, you know. And his, his nose is just glued to the ground. And I'm like, oh, he's on one. So I, like, push through the, the brush and, like, pushing through thorns to get in there. And, um, you know, I get a glimpse of this bird. And this bird's just running. And Chief's right on its tail. I'm like, get him, Chief. Get him. <laughs> and uh, the bird flushes up. And I, you know, pop, pop, shoot twice. Second second shot, um, you know, drop the bird, which is lucky. Using an under over, um, used to having three shots. But got yeah. it on the second there. And, um, I don't know. It was just, you know, for me, something new. And for Chief, watching him work was really awesome. 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds having a good dog upland hunting certainly makes it a lot more fun um, than not having a dog. When my dad's first lab was actually a pointing lab, which they've bred uh, this certain line of labs to point. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got someone to duck hunting at that time that we didn't do much upland, but because we had mostly been upland hunters. So his idea was to have this waterfowl and pointing lab. Um, which she she pointed a few times, but we just like I said, we got so into duck hunting, it was kind of. And I would like to do upland hunting if I wish there was like three weeks of upland after waterfowl season. I just, I, I, I my uncle saw has a, has a farm, Golden Boy has a farm. I mean, I know where we could go and get into them. <laughs> I just can't give up a waterfowl weekend to do it. I just not. Yeah, yeah. I, so this I, is what you got to do, which it, it'd probably be, you know, you got to wait till you have one of those days where you shoot your your limit in an hour like you did uh out there in that in that marsh you yeah get shot your limit in an hour you, you pick up the blind you're like all right guys let's stop by the farm and get some pheasant yeah yeah <laughs> that's exactly right i'm gonna do it eventually i'm gonna get back into it eventually it is a lot of fun all right well you so got my, my first number. time <laughs> yeah my first time uh yep Okay, so um, I've got a buddy from Wisconsin that was down in the area um, two, three weeks ago, I think the beginning of December, and we had a freeze up. I think it was actually right around when you were you were here, and he had hunted the Kansas River a few times during this week, and he found this pile of mallards in this certain section of the river, and um, I stayed away from it when he was here because he's the one that's giving me the information, but he's like, man, next time it freezes up, you got to go to this spot. You got to go here. And so we hadn't hunted the Kansas river all year. So I was really excited. I had this date on my calendar. I was like, okay, I can tell the marshes are going to freeze by this date on this date. We're going out to the river. We're going to try that spot. Now we were hunting it blind, but you know, I just really excited to do it. So we got to the boat ramp about seven 30. It was fumbles. And two of my boys, Elijah and Nevin, were with us. And it's about a three and a half mile boat ride. No one, no other boats were there. The river's really up high, so people are not hunting it because they're just assuming it's no good. But it, they're still, it's still holding birds if you are able to find to find them. Um, but our boat, we've got a eighteen foot well built boat and a um, mud buddy forty two or forty five hundred. I can't remember which one. And the motor's been acting up. The, the throttle. So if you, if you turn on the boat um, and in neutral, the RPMs just fly up to like 4,000. And so you have to, you got to turn it on and quickly put it into gear. So the RPMs don't go just totally out of whack. But then the last couple of times we've had it, it's like until it really gets warmed up, you can barely do anything other than just go in the low, the lowest speed when you kick it into gear. Cause you, you try, you try to, I try to um, give it gas and it just dies. So we end up having to go three and a half miles at about three miles an hour. I mean, it just uh, it took us a way too long to get to this place. It was really annoying. Um, so we finally get to the spot and it's an, it's an Island and all the ducks had been sitting around the backside of the Island. The river's up so high that there's actually flooded vegetation in there. And that's where they had been sitting. So we were hoping to flush out thousands because that's what had been in there is probably several thousand. So as I came around the backside of the backside of the Island flushed up only about 25. I was like, Oh man, disappointed. So we kept coming around the Island and we came to the tip of the Island. We flushed 75. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, 
That's not bad. That's something, something to work with. There's some ducks in here, but I get really like, I overanalyze where we're going to set up a lot of times. And sometimes I even get neurotic about it. And this is a perfect example. So even though I see that 75, we probably should have just set up right away. Cause that was, but I'm like, well, let's take another circle around the Island and, and just see what else is landed back in that first spot. So we circle back around the Island and we flush up 25 again. So that that 25 had pretty much come right back in there. And it's a nice looking sandbar. We can put out all our, all our white rock um, socks and silhouettes. It just looks like a really cool place to hunt. So we pull the boat in there. We offload all of our stuff. I start setting up the water decoys and then I start second guessing where we're setting up. I'm like, man, this is probably stupid. We saw most of the ducks out on the other side of the island. What are we thinking? Let me jump in the boat real quick and roll down there and see what's around the other side of the island. So I roll back around the other side of the island and a lot of not, well, 50 ducks flush out of there. So I'm like, oh, we're stupid. We shouldn't be setting up in this other spot. So I drive the boat all the way around the back. I'm like, guys, I'm really sorry. Let's load up everything. At this point, we, we've got all we've got a couple dozen decoys in the water. We've got some some. They're starting to put the socks out, and I'm like, oh, I think we're screwing up. Let's throw everything back in the boat and go to the tip of the island. Well, that was my fatal mistake, and that's just kind of neurotic. I mean, everything's already set up. Just give it a chance. But no, I. So we jump back in the boat, go back on the other side of the island. It's not near as comfortable. Um, it's, it's silted in mud, which is iced over now, but in two hours from now, it's no longer going to be iced over. It's just a mud bath where the other place was like a nice sandbar, you know, really comfortable and everything. Of course, I, I have, first, I forgot to tell about this, right? When we got out of the first place, I handed my, um, Beretta A300 to my son. I said, go lay this over by those logs. And instead he just went and laid it right on the sandbar. Well, if you've ever hunted sand or a sandbar, <laughs> If your gun touches sand, it's a full cleaning. <laughs> I mean, it is like, it is crazy. He just laid it down. I picked it up and the action was already so gritted with sand that it wasn't functioning properly. I mean, sand is like, I told him it's like, sand is like acid to a gun. And so right from the start, my outlander was having issues. Um, then later on the hunt, this is Nevin, same kid. He's walking with it, falls down, fills the barrel with mud. Because I kind of got it, it started working a little bit. So I took me like a full 30, 40 minutes of cleaning that thing um, to get it ready for my hunt yesterday. So anyway, we set up on um, this other point and had the A-frame with us, got lazy, didn't use it because uh, there was like willows. I'm like, I think we can get, I think we can get set and hidden in these willows because everything was taking so long. I, honestly, if Aiden had been there, he never would have let me get away with that crap because I can get a little bit lazy when it comes to concealment. Um, if I get impatient and feel like the clock's ticking, especially. So we're sitting there for about 45 minutes. Nothing has come back in, which before they had come back in in like 15 minutes. And so now we're all getting discouraged, <laughs> like, you know, nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to happen. And all of a sudden there's about 50 ducks, not information, just kind of winging around everywhere. And three or four kind of drifted and landed off to the side of us. And one comes right into the decoys. And, um, I was letting the boys take the first shot and I was only one mallard and there were still mallards in the air, but I'm like, these are my two boys with, with, with younger hunters. If you pass up a shot like that, like if I was like, Oh, let's let this one sit and see what else comes in. And then you don't get the shot. Oh man, they are so upset and disappointed. Mm -hmm. So there's, 
this Drake drifted in about 12 yards, just like coasted in. So I let them unleash on it and uh, Nevin missed the first shot. Elijah just plowed it for his first Mallard Drake, um, which was like, which, and I don't have this. I haven't fully finished this video yet, but which was really cool. Um, and so then for the next three hours, three, four hours, every 30 minutes or so, we'd have some ducks kind of working, but it's like that first group didn't see us, but this other groups, I think they must have just been seeing us a little bit because they would circle around a little bit and go land off the point, and we just couldn't get anything else to drop in. And I'm, and the boat's, you know, a couple hundred yards down the bank. I'm like, man, we should have had the A-frame up. We should have had the A-frame up. Um, so about uh, an hour till sunset because we didn't want to be um, traveling back. And I think we actually picked up at 3.30. Um so we pick up everything. We go around to the backside of the island where we were originally going to set up, and we flushed up hundreds of mallards <laughs> from that first area. I was just sick to my stomach because that other place, we couldn't get them in. Um, we couldn't use any of the white rock stuff. By that time, all the ice had melted because it was about a 50-degree day, and we were just covered in mud. My gun was covered in mud. Nevin hadn't shot a mallard. Um, and it's just like flushing up hundreds and hundreds of mallards from that first spot where we we're going to set up. I was just really emotionally low. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I blew it for my boys. Everything's all muddy. I was totally neurotic to make us leave when we were already setting things up and look now, maybe because we were there, that's why they were laying in that other spot. But we certainly were flushing hundreds and hundreds of mallards mm. out of there. So we only ended up with one mallard drake that day and it was one of my least favorite hunts of the year honestly for sure <laughs> for sure yes yeah, sounds like you had a, a rough one there and it wasn't just only shooting one it was there was a lot of other, other elements that just kind of it was just a very muddy frustrating day it was like two times because we're on this point we're on one side of the this kind of peninsula to this island and the ducks would land on the other side. And so Nevin and I would sneak over there and get over there and nothing would flush. Like, where'd they go? They were right there. So we had like three of those things happen. It was just not a fun day. It was a cold boat ride back. And it was just nothing fun about that. Other than Elijah killing that one mallard. It yeah. Was not a fun day. Hmm. Sounds like a Jordan-esque is here type of hunt. <laughs> ouch <laughs> the ducks are over there we're over here right <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 just, just this season to have all those yeah, yeah. well you'll it was just salt in the wounds to have all those mallards from that spot that i neurotically didn't hunt <laughs> yeah one of those <laughs> i meant jordan-esque as in in kansas not like as you suck at hunting but <laughs> <laughs> like sure, you sure, being sure. here kind of hunt oh uh, okay okay I didn't mean like you can't shoot birds. <laughs> clarify. So, uh, did you go back there on your second hunt then? No, uh, we uh, we we hunted, we hunted Corn's Pond for the third time this year, um, and so we didn't really know what to do. So that so that the river hunt was the last day of duck season right here. So that was like the f uh, first, second, and what is today? that was like the 30th um it was a sunday sunday the 30th that mm -hmm. we hunted the river so the first um we decided we're gonna hunt corn's pond um and it had been increasingly cold um and the plan was to get out there around noon and go and do an evening hunt because no one really wanted to get up early after new year's eve and 
and we're just going to try to shoot some geese because there's normally geese in there. So um, corn called the farmer the night before and the farmer was like, well, my son's going to be hunting in there in the morning. I'm like, well, crap. Do we really want to go in there and hunt the afternoon when the whole, when the morning has been hunted? And so we we're thinking of what our other options are. There's still a zone open where you can hunt ducks, but new year's day, it's going to, they're going to be jam packed with people and um, we'd have to travel about an hour and a half. So we we're like, you know what, let's just go try this in the afternoon if we can get a couple flocks in there we're fine so let's go ahead and meet there at noon the farmer said his son was going to be quitting late late morning so um i pick up aiden meet corn at the pond and at the we're at the gate and there's still cars there so now we're the farmer knows we're coming in there in the afternoon he said the kid was gonna be done late morning noon seems to be past late morning um but they're there so we're like crap what are we gonna do now so now we're still debating. Should we just race off to a, um, the different zone where we can hunt ducks? Right. Well, we're pretty close to a town. Let's just go in, have lunch, come back. So we did that. Went and had lunch. Came back. Corn talked to the farmer. The farmer's like, "Yeah, they're they're getting out of there. They shot twelve geese, so they didn't do too bad." Um. So we and he just gets finally he gets a key to this place. So we drive the trucks like right up to Water's Edge, which. I mean, we normally just kill ourselves to hunt anytime we're hunting, but this is just like drive the trucks up to the ponds, water edge, unload everything out of the trucks. It was like, I didn't have to put on my waders until the end of the hunt to retrieve a few floating geese decoys. And it was just so easy, but we have no idea what to expect. Um, so we get everything set up and we're using, I, my dad's got the A-frame. I wanted to use the A-frame on this hunt as well, but um, he's now got it because it was still in the boat and blah, 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 blah. So we've got Aiden's layout boat and I bring my kayak cause it's got that layout on it. And then we use the HTR ground pad with grass sheets. And, and so we got laid out on the edge, got all the decoys out and within like 15 minutes, here comes, um, a whole flock about 20 and two, two geese fall out of that group. And I'm the shot caller and I just can't quite make a decision if I want to take these geese because they weren't like right in the pocket, but they were really killable or whether we want to try to let the back group land. And so I call the shot, but I call it a little bit late for corn. Aiden's filming and I killed both those birds, shot a double and killed those. Then like eight minutes later, um, a single came in. So within like the first hour we had, we had five five geese but they're not they're not quite finishing or i think four geese we're not they're not quite finishing the way we want them to finish but we were pretty happy because we didn't know what we would shoot and i mean there there are shots within 25 30 yards so they're not far shots at all they're just not you know we'd rather have them at 15 mm -hmm. um but things are going pretty well and and i haven't been around corn for quite a while so we were just having a great time then we had a couple hour break and then um, here's uh, sunsets at 508 right now. And about from 440 to five o'clock, we shot three or four more. Um, and in fact, this video is coming out tomorrow, the third. I'm putting this video out before the river hunt just because I was more excited about it and <laughs> watching the footage and everything. <laughs> so we ended up with eight on the day and we felt really, really happy with it. Um, I had to use the kayak to go retrieve cause I didn't take Izzy with me cause she'd been limping and it was going to be cold. And, but we ended up with eight, eight Canada's on that day. And it was an easy hunt. It was really, really enjoyable day, especially, um, after the, 
the river hunt that was not fun at all. It was just a really, really good time. And I mean, eight in an afternoon where that place had been hunted all morning, we felt really good about that. So it was a good time. Yeah, really no, time. that's uh, definitely pretty good. And I've got so much meat. Uh, Corn has a neighbor that took all, was wanted to take all the meat and everything. So we actually cleaned the birds out there on the tailgate and um, we were able to go over and, and give it to, to corn's neighbor, which is good. Cause I don't really, honestly, I'm not dying to have a bunch more meat right now. In fact, my plan was to film and not hardly shoot, but you know, you get out there and now these big semi trucks compared to ducks are floating in with their wings, just spread out and down. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe I do want to shoot. <laughs> yeah. So it was fun, but all I, all I ended up shooting were those first two, that double on the first two and split one with golden and film the rest. And I'm pretty happy with the video. The video came out pretty, pretty well. I'm happy with it. Awesome. Do a lot of goofing around and teasing each other. And, um, I, I go into detail about how Aiden is not really on the golden boy. He's my golden slave. <laughs> and cause I've been getting a little abuse about how I mean to Aiden apparently. So I had fun with that. <laughs> I was like, nice. I was like, yeah, he uh, pays my bills. He mows my lawn. He, in fact, when I'm really tired, he entertains my wife and takes her on a date. He does everything. He's, he's my golden slave. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about making the video title my golden slave, but I didn't want to push it too hard. <laughs> nice. But nice. it's a good video. I'm happy with it. I'm putting it out tomorrow. The what's tomorrow's the third. Yeah. The third. Nice. I'll be looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. All right. So jumping to the second half of mine. Um, so I had um, my <laughs> my sister's fiance was coming into town um, for the holidays, and um, you know we talked about hunting the last time he was here, and so he'd got his license and all that. Honestly, I would have told him not to with the kind of luck we were we're having, but he'd already got it, and so I'm like, ah, well, I'm gonna have to do my best to find some birds, get us on something. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, did my best for that. We actually went out to a spot, not one of my favorite places to hunt because it's so close to some urban areas. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, um, to get on ducks, especially in my area. Uh, <laughs> too many safe places for ducks to land, mm -hmm. honestly. Uh, but anyway, so we went out there and set up and we took, um, since we had three of us, me and my dad and chief and, uh, Ethan. So we borrowed a friend's canoe. So we had two canoes. And so I, we got to bring a lot of decoys and wind socks and silhouettes. Um, and, uh, I mean, I probably had more than 10 dozen out there nice. with, all the, with all the wind socks. So there's a nice little sandbar there and kind of had it planned out how it was going to go. And, um, and was hoping, you know, we had a little bit of cold front just starting on that day. Um, so just re really was hoping that we'd uh, be able to pull some birds in there. So got out there, set everything up. We got out there super early again, um, just because being um, the last weekend of duck season in the north zone, I wasn't sure, um, you know, if we'd have a lot of competition out there in public land. But we actually didn't see anybody else. So we got out there super early for nothing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's better to be safe anyway. 
but we had plenty of time then to put up all the decoys. We had uh, a bo- like I don't know three dozen goose wind socks. We had maybe three dozen mallard wind socks. We had a couple dozen um, uh, goose silhouettes. You know, there's ducks and geese both used in this area, and then um, you know uh, maybe four or five dozen. Uh, Florida decoy. So yeah, big spread, um, big spread of the white rocks. So I was glad to do that, uh, put that out there. So first thing in the morning, you know, not a lot of action, but we did end up having a couple coast in there. Um, and they're kind of just skirting the edge of the decoys and they're skirting the edge. They come around and they're right about at 30 yards and just going around the edge. And it kind of got to the point where they're just falling the edge of the decoy, um, spread out there. And I got to the point where like, oh, they're not they're not gonna work in. So let's call a shot here. And I called a shot. Um, you know, they're kinda locked in but not cupping right into the center of the mm-hmm. decoys like I was hoping. So we all stood up and shot and I shot one first shot and dropped it and my dad shot and he dropped the other one. And Ethan shot two, but both the birds that already died, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh-huh. So I was, you know, after we shot him, you know, I'm super pumped. Then I'm like, oh crap, like he didn't get one, you know, like, yeah. Um, you know, and so I feel kind of bad about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think he was thinking about it a little bit too. He's like, oh, I gotta be, gotta be quicker next time. Um, these guys just popped up and shot him real quick. And at 30 yards, you know, I'm like thinking we're all going to shoot and it's going to take, you know, more than two shots to kill these, but <laughs> nailed them. Yeah. We just nailed them on the first shot. And so, um, you know, I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I bet that felt good. It did. It felt good for sure. You know. So did you shoot the Drake or the hen? I shot the Drake. Yeah, your dad (laughs) isn't quite astute enough yet to be like pick green versus brown. He's just probably pulling up and. Yeah, well, he just shot the uh, the other one that was left. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, but he did. He did say he still got trouble picking out between the two. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I mean, it is a little hard if you're not used to it looking to see what's what. You just kind of see a duck and you're, you're taking it <laughs> when you're newer on and people are calling the shot. So, yeah. um, but yeah, so then, you know, hoping we'll get some more that work in. We did have another, another pair that worked right in. And, uh, so the way we we're set up, there's a, a old permanent blind out there, um, on public land, kind of similar to the other ones we've seen in the area. And it only fits two people. So I'm out and I was actually using a new product that I purchased. So you guys have heard us talk about this a lot. Really like a frames, like a uh, hunting that style. Um, really like the concealment it gives you, but, uh, there's something similar you can use as a solo hunter. And it's, and it's uh, I think it's made by tangle free and it's the 360 solo blind. So I use that. Um, and it, I mean, honestly, it just, you just disappear in it. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, I like it a lot. It's got a little doggy door so you could just set it up on shore, have it all brushed in really, you know, low profile. Um, they're not like low, but a small profile. Mm-hmm. When you think about being able to minimize, you don't have to have a dog blind with you. You can just have that set up and yourself in it. Uh, so anyways, I put that right next to the blind, uh, blended in there really good. So uh, we we had a pair that worked right over top of us, and that blind has a roof, you know, give you a good top cover. So they couldn't shoot at it, and I had I had a shot at these two. I literally I could have just stood up and popped them both. They flew right overhead, um, you know, looking at the set, and when they came overhead, I think I flared them a little bit um, <laughs> because I, I was ready to jump up and shoot them. And I think I flinched a little bit to do that action. I'm like, oh, wait, not everybody can shoot. And yeah. so like, let them work, let them work. And um, they didn't work after that. So 
unfortunate. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should have just been selfish and shot him, but I didn't want to, especially after that first, you know, pair came in there and I popped one and, you know, here I am shooting two more and, you know, got the guy who traveled from out of state and bought a license and he's not even going to get a shot at him. So, yeah, um, that was probably, that was a really polite um, thing you did. That's probably the right choice. Cause if you hadn't, you'd always be kicking yourself thinking, Oh no, they might've come back around and I took yeah. it away from him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you would always have that doubt. That was the right choice. Yeah. So then later on, we had another pair working. So that's another thing I noticed on this hunt getting in January. All the birds seem to be paired up that were flying around, you know, later in the season. That seems like they've been paired up now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we have another pair come in and they come across the set work, working just how we wanted to them, you know, had the big set split um, with the kill hole in the middle and the, the mojo running right there and they come and at 45 yards they turn lock and cup directly nice. towards us and you know I'm like oh they're going to do it they're going to do it <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear oh bam kabam kabam <laughs> and Ethan so I guess I probably uh, should have uh, mentioned this at the no. beginning of the story <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, Ethan he so we talked about it and he said that he hunts, you know, maybe once a year. He ends up getting a license to go with friends and family. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so I think I overestimated how much he duck hunted um, yeah. up to that point. Because, you know, we talked about it and kind of trying to fill out um, how much of a hunter he was. And, you know, and and so I guess I misinterpreted exactly what he said. So I said at the beginning of the morning that I'm going to call the shots. And yeah. I could have, I could have said, you know, spaghetti dinner. It didn't mean anything to him, you know, yeah. uh-huh. you know, uh, he, he hadn't hunted a lot. So <laughs> he didn't realize that I'd have to be like, Oh you no, know, I'm calling the shot before we shoot. So You're not allowed to pull your trigger without my say so. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. <laughs> yeah that, and that he didn't understand that part of it. And so we talked about it later and he's like, Oh, well it looked pretty similar to the first pair you guys dropped. And so I was just itching to jump up there and shoot him. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, at first I was like, Oh, I was honestly like a little devastated. It was like, we've had some rough hunts yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and then finally we got this pair that's locked up. I mean, they were going to finish, you know, seven yards in front of us. Um, unless they oh. flared at some point in between there and now, but they were locked up coming in and he just stood up and at 45 yards started shooting. And so, yeah, I gave riff, him a pretty riff, hard time. Riff. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I gave him a hard, you know, a hard time about it, but you know, you can't blame, you can't blame him. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. it's honestly on me for not explaining it better. Uh, and, well, and when you, know, you have, when you have ducks coming straight towards you, it's hard to let them continue and come and come and come and come and come. It's hard. Especially if you're not um, an experienced mm-hmm. hunter and you don't, yeah. you don't know what they're doing to him. He's, he said it looked exactly like the, the pair that passed by us. And um, <laughs> they just, they did that at first and then they turned towards us and uh, we're coming right in the kill hole. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was, you could hear uh, like the pain in my did voice. Did you feel bad? Did you feel bad about it? Uh, yeah, because I turned around, you know, and I'm like, who started shooting? You can hear, like, the pain in my voice. And... <laughs> well, Dan um, did that to me multiple times. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a hard time for that for a long time. Um, yeah, but... <laughs> I find, like, with, with newer hunters, it's really good in those situations to be like, not yet, not yet, <laughs> not yet like your dog, you know, stay, stay, stay. Yeah. I got to doing that. Um, I do that with my boys, and and I got to do that with Dan too. And he was like, "Not yet, let him come, 
let them come, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, and part of the reason that that went so south is I was outside the blind. Mm-hmm. So if I was in the blind, um, you know, I watched the recording back and I could hear on my GoPro that's next to the blind, you know, kind of getting their view. Um, I could hear him say, are we going to take them? And, you know, the only other person in the blind is my dad. And he shot, you know, I don't even know if he shot 10 birds yet. He's probably pretty close to 10 birds this season. So he's not yeah. like a veteran at all. Yeah. So somebody next to him saying, are we going to take them? I mean, he he's not necessarily the guy to ask for that. Um, yeah. And I, I couldn't hear him. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that the, you know, the blind next to me was about to explode with gunshot. <laughs> oh, that's ter- ter- terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now now I'm getting a good laugh, but at the time that it happened, yeah, um, I was like down, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But you, you have you just just have to look back on something like that and laugh, and um, you know, it's all about those kind of memories, and we'll remember that specific thing for a while, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. You will <laughs> never have another season like this your entire life. <laughs> I mean, that just kind of encapsulates your whole season, really. Yeah, it's a perfect yeah. way to finish. Got them scouted. You go out there, nothing. Birds cupped right in. You know you've got them. Doesn't work out. I mean, it's just that's just been your season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing I documented, or no one would believe it at this point. You have so many things go wrong. And remember, after my two worst seasons of my life, season one and two of my YouTube channel, I've backed that up with the best two years of my life. So maybe it'll be the same for you. Well, it would be, except for I'm retired. (laughs) <laughs> what I, i'm retired from duck hunting no i'm oh. just kidding <laughs> like what <laughs> no i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> i just scared there for a second yeah i was like what are you talking about <laughs> i knew you were down but come on man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah that pretty much sums up the duck hunting i guess the outlook for this like we said, I think we said this at the beginning of this podcast, got some traveling duck hunting trips. But we do have goose season. Late goose season goes on um, through uh, like the first week of February. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully we can get on some geese. Um, yeah. But it's not, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We, we still need it cold. We need it cold for geese just as bad as ducks. And uh, I guess kind of to put salt into the wound of that, since that weekend we've had a big push of mallards. And a lot of the spots we've been scouting, I mean, it's just, they're loading oh, up finally. Gosh. It's like, oh, you got to wow. kidding me. It's like, yeah. I mean, we found multiple holes with 200 plus birds in it. Um, that uh, <laughs> so oh my gosh. that's how it goes. I mean, yeah. um, it's just all weather dependent and yeah. Oh, well, it came too late this year. Yeah. And, and my, my dream season Duck, duck season's in. We got hunting geese, and we have no shots at mallards at all to tempt us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what? What's so your number? Um, I've got ninety nine ducks and nine geese, so I'm at one hundred and eight birds. I thought you uh, passed up your ninety nine. Were nope. you at ninety nine last week? I didn't. Haven't shot a duck. Oh since last yeah, week. yeah, yeah. Okay. I had that one. That one drake come in, I let the boys take. I was up and ready. If Elijah would have missed it, it would have been mine. But <laughs> You've been cashing so. in on 100? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I should get it. So this Saturday, we, we have the option of either hunting geese around um, in our zone or traveling an hour and a half south and trying to shoot some ducks. And I, I think we're probably just going to hang around for the um, – I think we're probably going to hang around for the geese. So uh, mm-hmm. that will give me – I'll have at least 
three hunts to shoot one my hundredth duck, which I've never done before. So I should be able to get it done. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> if not, I'll be on the last day trying to pawn jump some. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't do that, but surely I can get it done. Don't lie. If it's 100 and you're not going to pawn shoot the last day, I'm going to be kicking you. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> you, you got to get 100. Yeah, I have been chasing it. I never thought I would do it until I was retired. So it has been quite the year, I'll say. We just don't, I just don't hunt enough um, with my full time job to really realistically be able to consistently hit 100. I just have to have, like, I've averaged 4.7 birds a hunt this year, which is not really that. I mean, come on, you're uh, where I'm not gonna, I may never again average 4.7, 4.8 birds in a season. I probably won't. Yeah. I probably won't. High water mark. And I've shot 58%, which I may never do that again as well. I mean, my, my lifetime average is 48. Um, so, and I've only shot over 50% twice, but my shot selection is getting even better. And I'm really learning to really limit my third shot, which makes a big difference. But I mean, seriously, I may never shoot 58% every end. So it's just been one of those dreams. I mean, years. if we could get you to put in a full choke, I'm sure you'd consistently do it. But. <laughs> I'm sure with a full choke, I probably would have shot 70%. Yeah. <laughs> Extended full, you'd never miss. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I'd be shooting a, I'd be shooting a uh, shot circle of about the size of a penny as close as we've been shooting these ducks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I think that finishes the update. You got anything else you want to add here at the end? Or? Oh, the only th other thing I would add is make sure you guys go over and check out Lights All, L-I-T-E-Z-A-L-L. -L. We partnered with them, and they are a phenomenal newer company with, with fantastic light sources, flashlights, headlights. We've got a little magnetic cube that's perfect just to keep in your car. You can charge it with your um with your light or not i'm not a lighter anymore but charge it with your usb ports and if anything happens you're working under your car or, or whatever even like you know that cube would be awesome in the a-frame because it's magnetic and you could just stick it i'm gonna start using it with that i haven't even thought about that but if you mm -hmm. just stick it to that metal in the a-frame um well you, you that, have trouble with that though it's aluminum oh is it aluminum i didn't think it was yeah it's aluminum that seems really solid for aluminum that's some thick aluminum it's high grade, but it's, uh, I mean, uh, we had prototypes at the beginning that were steel. Um, okay. Let's say it, there's a big difference between sturdy steel and sturdy aluminum as far as weight goes. But anyways, okay. yeah, the, the cube would be great in a lot of different situations. But Yeah. Uh, you could even just um, tie it on. It's got a little key thing, so you could just tie it on there, too. But, oh, yeah. We were, we were just talking about the A-frame the other day about someone asked if it was aluminum. I think corn did, right? And like, no, I think it's steel. It's, yeah, that's high grade aluminum. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go go check out Lights All, um, code Duck Hunt 10. Right? Duck Hunt 10. Yes, I got it. <laughs> go check them out. Definitely worthy of um, your your um, business for sure. All righty. That's all we got for this week. We really appreciate you guys tuning in week in, week out. Um, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys next time.